This is In the Word, On the Go, the podcast where we look at one verse from God's Word for 10 minutes of your day. Welcome to In the Word, On the Go. I'm Champ Thornton, your host. Whether you're listening by yourself or with a family, this podcast is here for you to spend 10 more minutes in God's Word while you go about your day. In each episode, I get to interview one person about a favorite verse from the Bible. And today I get to welcome back Dr. Todd Miles. Todd is professor of theology at Western Seminary in Portland, Oregon. He also serves as an elder at his church, Hinson Memorial Baptist Church there in Portland. He's also an author. He's written a book about the exclusivity of Jesus Christ. In other words, he's the only way to the Father. But he's also written more recently a super helpful book, emphasis on the word super, which we'll talk about more in a moment. The book is called Superheroes Can't Save You, Epic Examples of Historic Heresies. Todd is married to Camille, and they have six children, and I'm just thrilled to have you back on the podcast. It is great to be with you again, Jim. Thanks. So what passage do you have for us today? Uh, Job chapter 9, verses 32 and 33. It's one of my favorite passages in the entire Bible. In context, uh, Job is replying to uh, one of his counselors, Bildad, and is trying to make the case that he hasn't actually sinned in such a way that should be bringing all of these these trials and problems upon him. And of course, you know, Job's friends are there and they know how the world works. They, they've they've read the Mosaic, well, they haven't read the Mosaic Covenant, but it's, but it's almost like they've read the book of Proverbs, right? And um, I, you know, this is one of the fun things about Job is that you could probably pretext Everything that Job's friends say out of the book of Proverbs, yeah. this is just how the world works, right? Uh, but Job's like, no, I, I haven't done anything that warrants this. And what he really wants is to be able to make his case before God. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so th- that's what he's saying here. But, but then as he's asking for it, uh, I really want to make my case before God. Then he kind of realizes I don't know that I want to make my case before God, because what chance would I have? What chance would I have? So that's where we pick this up. And so here's Job in verse 32 of chapter 9. He says, for he, that is God, is not a man like me that I can answer him, that we can take each other to court. There is no mediator between us to lay his hand on both of us. So what kind of problem was Job feeling here? What, what did he lack that he really wanted? He, he wanted to be able to make his case before God, but he realizes that, you know, God is God and, and he is not. And, and this is not fair in, in any sense of the word at all. Uh, he has no chance. And, of course, we know that when he does get the chance to talk to God, what does Job do? He puts his hand over his mouth and says, I, I, I should have never even asked for this, right? <laughs> I, I can't uh, because Job or God basically takes Job to task. Uh, and doesn't really answer any of the specific questions that Job has. He just kind of walks through creation to show how marvelous and wonderful he is. And as if to say to Job, okay, now, Job, when we can talk about how I'm running the physical universe, then maybe we'll talk about how I'm running the, the moral universe. Right? <laughs> and, and Job's response is, I, I just have nothing to say. But, but here, he still wants the chance. Hmm. He wants the chance, but but he knows that if he did have the opportunity to speak, he would be speaking to a being that is so far greater than him, one who is, he, he would be speaking to God, and, and he is not, and he says that what I actually need, what I need more than anybody right now is a mediator, 
But it can't be just a clever human because that won't do any good. I mean, Job could have done that. He was a clever human, right? Uh, He needed someone who, in the language you use here, to lay his hand on God, Hmm. someone who could stand in between God and Job, put his hand on God as though, you know, we could say this way, someone who knows what it's like to be God Hmm. (laughs) and someone who knows what it's like to be human and can put his hand on both and act as the intermediator for Job. And of course, that person's not there for Job. Right. He's not there. But for the Christian, that person is there. Mm. And, and his name is Jesus Christ. He is fully human. He knows what it is to be human. He knows what it's like to be tired and hungry and disappointed and sad. He knows what it's like to hurt. We're told that he was tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. And so uh, I take it that means that he experienced temptation to the nth degree until the tempter just gave up, right? Um, You know, for us, the easiest way to stop temptation, the quickest way to stop temptation is just to give in, you know. Because then um, the temptation's over, but Jesus yeah. resisted and kept resisting and kept resisting. Yeah, he literally died fighting sin and temptation, mm. uh, never once giving in. Not one angry, sinful thought, not one lustful look, not one time ever mm. did he sin, but fought temptation successfully to, to the very end. Um, so, so he knows exactly what we're going through. He has uh, not just knows it cognitively, but knows it experientially. Mm. He knows and understands and sympathizes uh, with with everything that we go through. And and simultaneously, he is God. He he, if you will, to keep talking this way, he knows what it's like to be God. Mm. You know, he he understands uh, how offensive sin is. He, he, he understands the, 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 the if you will, the, the, the feelings of, of, of being rejected and rebelled against. He knows what it's like to be holy God because he is holy creator God. And, 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 so, and so that is our arbiter now. One, the only being in existence who can literally, say, put his hand on God and put his hand on us and intercede as the book of Hebrews tells us over and over again, intercede on our behalf. We have a mediator. We have a voice, an advocate in court before the Lord. Yeah, this this being that was unimaginable, just like this big wish for Job. Mm-hmm. Oh, if only there was someone like this. Of course, there's not, right? Uh, but that being actually exists for us. He, he, he is Jesus Christ. Now, sometimes in the history of the church, as people have talked about this, they've not gotten it right, according yeah. to the Bible. How would you describe that error, that heresy, and as particularly as yeah, it relates to your book? Good. So, so, so many heresies about who Jesus is, because it's really hard to think about how Jesus can be fully human and fully divine. Uh, one idea that came down the pike, like in the fourth century, was that uh, when God became man, he became a totally different kind of being, that the divine nature and the human nature were combined in this one person, Jesus. And, 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 and instead of having a divine and a human nature, you, you got a mixture, a hybrid of the two. Hmm. Call it 
the God-man nature. Hmm. But in becoming God-man, he, he stopped being God, and he and he wasn't really human. He was something in between. A third thing um, altogether. A third thing altogether, which doesn't do us any good at all. If he's if he's a totally different being, I mean, that would have been like God sending a, a you know a zebra or something to hmm. save us. He's not human anymore. He's he's God man, um, and and so so all of the logic of the gospel falls apart because in order for the gospel to work, and for you know for, for Jesus to do any and all of the things that he does on our behalf, he has to be exactly who the Bible says that he is fully human and fully divine. So we were talking before the podcast and you used, I thought was a really helpful analogy about paint. Could you describe that for us? Sure. So if, you know, if, if, if you're asked to make orange paint, what do you do? Well, you know, we, we've all been, we've all bought paint before you, you get, you get some red paint and you mix it with some yellow paint and you get orange. Mm -hmm. And so that's great. You have orange paint, but you can't ever go back to red or yellow. once those are mixed together, at least not that I've ever seen, uh, Usually when I'm buying paint and someone messes up, they just have to start completely over. You know, <laughs> there's no going back at that point. They just, they just grumble and, and start completely over. Uh, it's, it's not recoverable anymore. You, right. All you have is orange. And it doesn't work as red and it doesn't work as yellow. It works as orange, but whatever that is. It works as orange. Yeah. And it, it, this, this idea would be the same thing. The, the same idea was put forward about Jesus. Uh, the, the, the illustration that I use for this, the, the, the technical term is Eutychianism. We, we always name the heresies after the heretic. I, I, I joke that, that like if, if, if you want to be immortalized in the church, just come up with a really bad idea about Jesus and, 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 uh, and advertise it. And, and we'll name the heresy after you. It might cost you your soul, but, uh, but, but, but you'll be famous. Um, and it, so the name we give it is Eutychianism, and, and it's the idea that Jesus was really not human or divine. He was a mixture of the two. And and illustration I use for that would be like Spider-Man, who's, you know, he, he has altered DNA because he was bit by a radioactive spider. He's mm. he's, he's kind of human. He's he's kind of a spider, but, he, but he's not really fully human like we are. He's not certainly not a spider. He's Spider-Man. Right. Um, well, that's really helpful. And in regard to Jesus then— if he's orange paint, if he's the, uh, yeah. a, a mixture and not still 100% God and 100% human, then what you were saying that these verses show that what we lose is a mediator. Yeah, uh, we no longer have that person who is human, as it were, to, to, to borrow joke language, can put his hand on us. Hmm. And we no longer have that being who is fully, completely God and could put his hand on God. Hmm. Uh, we, we have this kind of bizarre person who's neither human nor divine. He's some weird mixture of the two. And, and, and the Bible doesn't allow us to, to go in that direction. And now that we have, as Christians, as followers of Jesus Christ, this mediator, what does that allow us to do? It, well, it allows us to, to approach the throne of grace with confidence. Uh, it, it allows us to, to rest in the confidence uh, that that our great high priest, Jesus Christ, understands us and, and knows us. There's, there is n- no sense in which we ever ought to say, I, I just don't think God understands me. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we might say that about other people who fail us, uh, but we cannot say that about God mm-hmm. uh, because Jesus Christ knows what it's like to be us because he is one of us, mm-hmm. but he's also fully God. And that's like, that's, 
that's so good. It has to be true. I mean, who could make that stuff up? Right? Yeah. So don't let anybody ever tell you, if you're listening to this, that theology doesn't matter. What's true about God matters more than anything. And this is just a great example of that. So we talked about having access through our mediator to the throne of grace. Todd, would you just take advantage of that? Let's pray this verse for all of us today. Great. Our, our Father in heaven, the one who sits seated upon the throne of grace, we come to you with grateful hearts, not on our own merit, uh, but on the merit of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It, it is because of what he has done, and it is because of what he does even now on our behalf that allows us even to pray. So, Father, we are thankful. We are thankful for forgiveness of sins, and we are thankful for help in temptation, because we know that our great high priest, the Lord Jesus Christ, even now intercedes on our behalf at your great throne. And we know that we are accepted, not because we have lived up to any sort of standard. We are accepted by you because of the the uh, robust and powerful work of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we can, with great confidence, come and pray, uh, pray even now to you. So we, we, we thank you, Father, for, for making this happen on our behalf. And Lord Jesus, we say to you, thank you. Thank you that, that you interceded for us and that you did what was necessary to be able to intercede on our behalf. It's in the name of Jesus Christ that we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to In the Word, On the Go. For more information about this podcast or to listen to past episodes, visit wordonthego.net.